Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. So today I'm going to be talking about a topic that is rather uncomfortable for me. It's very vulnerable and it is the first time that I'm sharing this experience with the world and that is that I've been going through a conscious uncoupling for the past month-ish and it has been deeply painful deeply liberating and deeply expansive. And it may be hard to see how all three of those things can go together, but I will be diving into how I approached this uncoupling from a tantric perspective. And I have to give credit where credit is due in that I've been reading this book, Conscious Uncoupling, Five Steps to Happily Even After by Catherine Woodward Thomas how to break up in a whole new way. So I loved this book. Um, to me, it was like the definition of a tantric perspective on how to go through a uncoupling. And there are so many thoughts and stories around this breakup that made it really complex for me and makes it very vulnerable for me to be sharing my story with you. And I'm not going to go too much into the story of he did this and I said this and, you know, that whole um, story and, and less of the essence. We're going to be doing more essence work here, um, but I'm really grateful to have had this resource. And even in reading it, I've realized that my recent uncouplings, even before this one, were really along these same lines. And... Uh, the book has a five step process for uncoupling and it was really nice to have them all laid out for me to go into depth and to have lots of exercises and self care pieces. And it was also beautiful because my ex partner was also willing to kind of follow through with this process. And for that reason, it was the most easeful um, separation in so many ways in that there was so much love and respect that was retained through the process that I have nothing but incredible things to say about this person. And I feel confident that he feels the exact same, which is so much more than so many people can say when they're going through an uncoupling, especially when it involves many complicated details, including, you know, having a lot of shared expenses, living together, having just moved across the country together, having got a car together, um, and also just having a shared vision of the future that needed to be disentangled, having plans to have a family, to buy property. Um, so, this process really made it easy for us to kind of um, move through that. 
And to also, this was the first time ever, and and my ex-partner agreed or was very resonant in the fact that this was, for each of us, our first time ever being able to grieve a relationship with your ex-partner. So that made it very complicated in that we were still living together as we were like moving through the decision of uncoupling. And so it was very sad. It was constantly triggering. But at the same time, we were able to be there for each other through a lot of the pain and the sadness. And we were allowed to really honor the wholeness of our relationship, which was fucking amazing. Like we had the best relationship in so many ways. And that's also why it was so hard to let it go for each of us. Um, and to kind of give clarity on, on where that separation ended up coming through without getting into the story is that we realized we knew from the beginning that we were very different from one another. And that was so exciting. And we learned so much because of that. Being very different from your partner is so incredible because there's so much opportunity to learn and to grow and to work through shadow, uh, which was such a big aspect for each of us uh, in very different ways because of the unique medicine that we were offering to each other. And at the same time, being very different from your partner is incredibly fucking challenging. And we found that the challenging aspects became very exhausting and very trying emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, in every way. But it was really amazing because in that process of working through the complexities of our differences and the ways that we looked at conflict allowed us to really learn how to communicate effectively um, and and how to um, be hold space for each other in in ways that we wouldn't think of because it's not how we would like to be held individually. So in the end, though, we realized that it would, we were still going to be having these arguments. We were still going to be having these disagreements. And that's true. I believe in every partnership, there's always going to be conflict and disagreement. Uh, and I have a beautiful episode with, um, uh, Alexa Bowditch on, um, deeply fulfilling relationships. Let me pull it up quickly. The title, it is called conflict resolution in fulfilling relationships. And it's episode 58. And one of the things I love that she said in this relationship is, that, and I, and I might not be getting this exactly right because, um, you know, I don't have the script in front of me, but essentially she said something along the lines of the reason why she's with her partner is not because of how much she loves him and he loves her, but because of the ways that they're able to approach conflict and work through things. And when it came down to the decision to uncouple with my partner we realized like we have the tools to make this work um, and we love each other very, very much. And if that was all that was needed to move forward, then we would be moving forward with this relationship. We would be getting married. But we realized that the differences were so stark in cases that it was leading to some extreme levels of unsafety and even resentment. And that was really challenging. And we realized maybe these arguments are meant to be with other people. Maybe these negotiations are not meant for this container. 
And that's kind of why we decided to move forward with the uncoupling with the intention of also just creating some space for us to breathe and to really get clear on, you know, where we're at and, uh, our desires and what makes sense individually. Um, and we're seeing how that feels right now. (laughs) So that being said, I'd love to go into this process of conscious uncoupling. Um, and I'm really following the layout of this book, conscious uncoupling by Catherine Woodward Thomas highly recommend you check it out if you're in that process, but I'm going to give you kind of the essence and how this flowed through with my story at this time. So as I, excuse me, drinking tea, as I mentioned, there are five steps that she outlines in this book. And step one, I'm going to be looking at my notes as well. So if you're watching the video, please excuse my wayward eyes. But step one is to find emotional freedom. Uh, using your darkness to fuel beautiful change, approaching all the hard emotions and finding their gifts, including rage, sorrow, confusion, and overwhelm. And this was so perfect for me at this time because we had just moved in together at the end of 20, or we had moved in together at the end of uh, like around October, 2021. And then we had moved across country to Texas at the end of December, 2021. And this conscious uncoupling process started unfolding about two or three weeks after we got to Texas and around the new year. And interestingly, my word for the new year was to receive. I want to receive. And when we think of the word receive, we often think of receiving love and receiving abundance and receiving all the really beautiful, good things. And we often forget that there's an equal opposite part of the human experience, which involves receiving pain and feeling into sorrow and anger and all of our more dense emotions. And the tantric perspective, which was paralleled in this book, which I loved, was that the deeper you receive and go into your pain and your heartbreak, the greater your capacity to receive love, which is why particularly our romantic relationships are such incredible invitations for expansion. Because when we step into a romantic container, we are energetically telling the universe, I am willing to take the risk. I am willing to take the risk of heartbreak and pain and separation and loss in order to feel great capacities for love. All things must end in this life. That is a given. Pain is a given in this reality. Suffering is a choice. But when we are opening ourselves up to love, to loving someone, we are, we are acknowledging that there will come an end to that, which means that we're opening ourselves up to greater capacity for pain. So when you are deeply receiving the experiences of pain, grief, sorrow, you are acknowledging and opening your capacity to love deeper, which also makes you more uh, in resonance for the next partner or the next love that you're calling in. So to recap that, the greater we meet our heartbreak, the more we open ourselves up to self-love and future partners that are more in alignment. So when we accept that pain, we're loving the experience of pain in our bodies, which means that we're loving all of ourselves. We're not just picking and choosing the parts of our experience that we love. We're loving all of it, which is making you a magnet for more experiences that are also in that unconditional love frequency. Super powerful shit here. 
another part of the step one is to realize what commitments do I wish my former partner had made to me that I can make to myself now. And, and this includes things that you love that your partner did and things that you didn't like. Like what was missing from that relationship that you can provide for yourself now? For me, one of those things was feeling really two feet in. One of the feelings that I had about my partner, whether this was true from him or not, because there's evidence that this is true and that this wasn't based on his actions and words, but one of the things that I felt was he was one foot in, one foot out. And so how can I provide the feeling of full commitment and two feet in for myself? And that goes back to just fully believing in myself, believing in my ability to take care of myself, to love myself, to stand by myself, to be there for myself and to fully receive those hard, dense emotions. Okay. But it also includes things that our partners did for us that we really enjoyed and loved. And fuck, my partner was so amazing at so many things. And it's honestly hard to wrap my mind around even how do I fill those shoes by myself, but I get to experience that. I get to, um, play with, play with that aspect of my own relationship with myself, which is deeply beautiful and grounding. So that's kind of conclusion for step one, moving into step two. We're going to be reclaiming, reclaiming our power and our life. So this is moving from victim to conscious creator, which is such a big part of my work. And it's so interesting. I was just um, really working with this theme in general with a lot of the the clients that uh, are in my turned on by life course. So it was a perfect moment for me to recalibrate that within my own body on a whole new level. So it's recognizing that... Um, we can shift into victim mode and see how we are the poor me in the circumstance of the breakup, or we can say, how can I shift this and how can I see and take responsibility for my role in this whole experience? So it's becoming aware of your habits, patterns, and programming, showing up in reflection of your true value, zooming out and taking responsibility. And this is doing a lot of inner child work. Um, one of the exercises that I loved from the uh, Conscious Uncoupling book was making amends to yourself. And I'll kind of guide you through that process. This is a step-by-step process within step two. So I'm going to be going into a whole new set of steps, but recognize that they're under the umbrella of the five steps. So this exercise is called making amends to yourself. And step one is to recognize who do you resent and for what? And for me, I had a lot of resentment around my partner for feeling that one foot in, one foot out, feeling like when there was conflict, he was going to run away at any moment. There was this avoidant tendency from my perspective. Um, I was very feeling a lot of resentment that I was the one that felt like I always had to be the person that came back to love, that was negotiating and, and being the one to like hug and kiss first and say, let's find a solution. Um, I also had a lot of resentment for not feeling safe to express myself, for feeling like anytime I shared my truth, it was going to turn into an argument or a conversation with a lot of intensity. Um, then there was just like a lot of anxiety and stress added to my life because of this circumstance. I was feeling really resentful for that as well. Step two 
So again, step one was what do you resent and for what, which I just went through. Step two is taking responsibility, looking at all of those things from step one and seeing how is that my fault though, actually? Like how did I fail myself to even get into that, that position? So for me, I'm taking responsibility for letting this happen over and over again, for letting that feeling of one foot in and out and the words and actions that came along with that, for not standing up and saying, hey, this can't happen anymore. I kept letting it happen. I kept letting myself go into that anxiety spiral. I kept continued to be the one that kept coming back instead of saying, you're going to do it this time, right? Um... I also took responsibility for using our relationship to validate our love and my worthiness of love. Taking responsibility for my fear of failing or being left again. I had that fear, so I kept going back instead of trusting the process. I also took responsibility for seeing that I wasn't always honest with myself or fully in touch with my feelings which was what was leading to some of those anxiety spirals, which was what was leading to, um, you know, this feeling of not feeling safe to express myself. I wasn't fully going within and seeing that. Um, I also taking responsibility for just being frozen, which is in alignment with that last comment and taking responsibility for being defensive and reactive a lot. I could have showed up in communication a lot better a lot of the time, which may have led to, you know, less charged conversation, which would mean less stress and less anxiety. So step three, again, step two was take responsibility. Step three, what has it cost me to give my power away? What has it cost me to give my power away? So acknowledging what has this lack of responsibility where, where, when I, when I stepped into victim mode and put all of the blame on him and became resentful, what did that cause me by not taking responsibility? What has that led to? What has it cost me to give that power away to him? And my reflection was by not speaking my truth or even knowing my truth, I have allowed my whole body to freeze from experiencing the full depth of my emotion and my humanity. By not sticking up for myself, I have encouraged behavior and relationships that are emotionally draining and toxic. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, so just acknowledging that, like seeing like, wow, if I step into the victim mode, like this is I'm actually the persecutor in this moment. And then step four is making amends with myself. And my reflection here was, I commit to being in my body, knowing my feelings and settling my nervous system to relate from a place of authenticity and be at home in myself first, which also means taking responsibility to say, hey, I need some time. I need some space to come back home to this in the relationship as well. And giving myself the... um the uh, forgiveness for not doing these things consciously while I was in the container on a regular basis, at least. Uh, And then step five, what new uh, skills and capacities do I need to learn to uphold this commitment? And my reflection was, I will learn to regulate my nervous system, to thaw out and to connect to my feelings and emotions, to really receive all of it. 
which was pretty much an immediate process and something I'm still working on. But even just recognizing that and being aware to hold space for myself has been highly beneficial. So that making amends step was under the umbrella of step two. So we had step one, find emotional freedom. Step two, reclaim your power in your life. And now we're going to move into step three. So step three is to break the pattern and heal the heart. So it's looking at this one relationship and this one experience and seeing, you know, that from that exercise of making amends with yourself, where, where is this starting? Discovering your source fracture story. So looking back at your core beliefs that are sabotaging you, sabotaging you, your limiting beliefs, your societal conditionings that are limiting you, uh, which is obviously such a big part of my work. If you've been following me for a while, you'll, you'll be very familiar with this theme. Um, but it was lovely to see it very clearly within this lens. And, and another part of step three is to root in those more expansive beliefs and patterns. So one of the exercises that I love from this chapter um, of step three, break your pattern, was to identify your source fracture story. Source fracture story, and I'm going to guide you through the steps to do so. So step one in um, identifying your source fracture story is just to be still, to be with yourself, to hold space for any emotions or feelings that are moving through your body, and then to welcome those feelings. To say, "Hey, I see you. I feel you. I acknowledge you," and it's safe. It's safe and sane to explore the depths of these emotions. And then to notice the meaning that you're giving these feelings and the breakups. So for me, I noticed that I was giving these feelings and this breakup the meaning of failure. I was saying that because I couldn't um, fix this relationship, I fucking failed. That's what I was giving myself, which makes sense because I'm a fixer. And we were the couple that were like, yes, we have conflict, we have arguments, but like we fix it. Like we are committed to growing together. We are committed to finding a solution. So when we got to this end of the road and there were these two paths, I felt like I was taking the path of failure because I wasn't taking the path of fix it. When in reality, that those weren't what the signs were saying. That's not what the map was telling me. It's giving me two completely different options and just learning that a relationship success is not based on its longevity. If I were to look at the value that was added to my life because of this relationship, if I were to look at the growth that occurred because of this relationship, it was a fucking wild success. I learned and grew so much and I'm so grateful. And I even leaving the relationship, I feel so loved. I feel so loved. Both my love for myself, my love from my ex-partner, the love from the community that I was able to build and to grow in the time that we were together, the love from the universe, the abundance that has resulted from this relationship. It's a fucking success. So relationship success is not based on longevity. To me, it's based on value. But I have a conditioning that is perpetuated in the media by our parents, by religion of death do us, death do us part. Is that how that saying goes? That's not quite right, but I feel like you get what I mean. Um, That's the conditioning that if you can't make it to the, 
the finish line of death, then you failed. And I don't resonate with that. That's not my belief, but my shadow, my subconscious was holding on to that and projecting it into my current experience of the relationship. So notice the meaning you're giving your breakup. I was noticing the meaning of failure. I also noticed the meaning that love is bestowed on those who do things right. So I inherently did something wrong if the relationship is ending. Also not true. I don't deserve to be loved. (laughs) It's a hard one. I can't have everything I want in a relationship. I have to settle, which was um, such a interesting reflection for me uh, in realizing that like one of my core desires in manifesting a relationship consistently has been, I want to feel more free in the relationship than out of the relationship, which to me means that I can have all of the things I have in my single life to some, to, you know, a great degree while also having the freedom to go deep into a sacred container of commitment with someone. And while I've been consistently putting that on my manifestation list, I've also been realizing that there were these limiting beliefs that were getting in the way of that coming to fruition. And I have an incredible episode about manifesting a um, your ideal partner, which is episode, episode 48. And I actually talk about the process of, of manifesting my current partner. And in that episode, I specifically talk about how you might get very close to that ideal partner, but with a few snags because you haven't done the shadow work to... Um, be able to have those qualities come through. You're sending mixed signals to the universe when your subconscious is holding on to a limiting belief or pattern that is not in resonance or in alignment with the desire or the quality that you're asking for, which is what I did. And so I still recommend this episode and I'm going to go through the same process when I call in my next partner, which is not going to happen anytime soon. I don't believe at least. I'm going to feel into it, but it's definitely not happening right now. Um, So even though I I acknowledge in that episode the um, potential um, closing of, of relationships, even if they were your ideal lover or partner at that moment. To me, your ideal lover or partner is the partner that is in alignment with your greatest capacity to grow and evolve in that moment. And so that means that if you're trying to call in your um, soulmate, you're probably not going to be able to do it until you grow through all the things that make you in resonance with that um, that path. And it's very obvious to me all of the uh, now at this close, especially going through this conscious uncoupling, what I was missing. And one of those things that I was missing was I can't have everything that I I want in a relationship. As I said, in this partnership, we realized like, wow, we have very different values and like maybe they're not in alignment to have everything we want. Like I don't want to have to pick and choose. Like I want to be able to say I can... I can have the committed partnership and I can have the safety and freedom to explore external relationships or whatever it is. Um, but I was holding on to a belief that I had to settle still. I had to settle. Ah, if you're listening, I encourage you to take a deep vocal exhale as well. I'm going to do one more after I take a sip of tea. Ah, feels good to let that go and to realize like, fuck, right? Okay, 
So that all fell under the umbrella of notice the meaning you're giving the, the breakup. Number five, identify your source fracture story. So my reflection here was, I'm a failure. Love is given to those who do it all right. I fucked up. I'm not fully healed. I don't deserve to be loved. So it's basically taking the reflections from the last step and putting them into one source fracture story. And then you look at how old is this part of you? How big? And for me, I felt like this source, this fracture came from a very young place. Uh, It felt like I was like five or six, which makes sense because this is around the time that my parents divorced when I was about three and they both got remarried for the first time uh, around when I was five or six. So it makes sense that I would be feeling into it around that time. Like what were the uh, patterns and beliefs that I was seeing around me? Also around five and six is when you're watching Disney princess movies and and you're being able to consciously understand the storyline and the and the um, the values that are instilled in those programs. And it also felt like a big bowling ball on my chest, so which shows me that this was a very big reflection of heart chakra work, of inner inner child work. And uh, if you're following this process, you can look at where am I feeling this in my body and what could that mean? Am I feeling it in my lower belly, which might mean, you know, something with sacral chakra work? Am I feeling it more in my head? Is this something with my relationship to my highest self and my divinity? So uh, being able to recognize how that's manifesting in your body can be very powerful as well. And then the last thing is just to open your eyes and shake it out and to recognize the difference between where you were when that source fracture story originated, so for me it was five or six, and where you are now. What have I learned in the past, you know, decades that are uh, giving me the opportunity to look at this from a new perspective? And so my reflection here was, I have a lot more resources than I did back then. I have a lot more self-love and purpose and I understand the world much better. So being able to see like how things have shifted for me to be able to let go of those conditionings. So moving on that, that whole process was under the umbrella of step three. So to go through the steps, once again, we had step one, find emotional freedom. Step two, reclaim your power and life. Step three, break your pattern, heal your heart. And then step four, moving on to becoming a love alchemist. So this is transforming the pain, setting you up for greater self-love and a whole new life, honoring the whole picture of the relationship and the love that was there in each stage and setting an intention for a positive future, dissolving any lingering anger or hurt to start on a clean slate and finding ways to communicate and maintain a healing dynamic moving forward. And the book highlighted a, um, a Hawaiian practice called Ho'oponopono, which is something that I already had as a part of my arsenal. And it was something that my partner and I did when we were feeling disconnected or when we were at the end of an argument. And it's a process of saying, I love you. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And thank you. And this is great as a, a, a exercise with your partner to kind of uh, tackle unresolved hurt between each other. But even as like a self-love practice to move from victim to conscious creator, just saying this and acknowledging it within yourself can be uh, deeply powerful. Um, 
And there was also a quote that I loved from this chapter of step four that I'm going to share. And it was all around opening yourself to the possibility of feeling more loved and in love at the end of the relationship than the beginning. So being able to see that actually at the end of the relationship, there can be more authentic, unconditional, true love at the end than at the beginning, which is something that I 100% felt in resonance with. I'm going to share it with you. So the quote was, in the blush of romance, we often project we're going to get all of our needs or wants met from our partner making it easy to give of ourselves. So in the beginning of the relationship, we're very much focused on the future and where this is going and like the vision of the relationship direction and imagining all of our needs and desires and and marriage and all of that being met by the partner. So we're so giving, we're so like, we we give based on that feeling of it being met. And so it's not really coming from, from an authentic place. So I pause the quote, but continuing the quote, it's at the end of love when we know better, wrestling with the disappointments and limitations of the relationship that we have the opportunity to give and receive authentic care, care that has no motivation other than to do the right thing for the right reasons. So being able to see, fuck, like they can't meet the needs and the desires that I'm wanting but I'm going to love them anyways. And I'm going to make this transition as easeful as possible because I just have such a deep level of love for you. Ah, that's actually going to make me cry a bit because I really felt that with my partner going both ways. We had a lot of things that could have made this very complicated, a lot of entanglements, We were both going through lots of uh, big changes in our work lives and we were so supportive. Um, You know, we had just moved in together in a new place, bought a lot of furniture together and worrying about the expenses of now me taking on my, my, each of our expenses doubling, um, me taking over the lease, him having to find a new place and just being in this space of like, I want to make this as easy for, as possible for you. What can I do to, to have that happen for you? Which looked like me offering to have him keep as much of his stuff here for as long as he needed. Um, for him, it looked like saying, Hey, why don't you keep this furniture that, you know, we split? Like, I know I don't want it. Um, and you know, like if I'm going to be keeping my stuff here, then like, I, I don't want to have to be paying rent. So instead of splitting that, why don't you just keep it? Um, he also left me, like he moved out while I was out of town for a couple weeks and he left me like a ton of stuff that was his, that he was like, I know you use this and like this and I want to, I want you to keep it. He watched my dog for me while I was gone. Uh, cause that was an agreement that we had made before we broke up. So uh, there was just so much love and care there from the very end. And to me, that felt even more authentic than at the beginning when we were watching each other's dogs, just because, um, it felt good and nice. And like, there was love there still, but it's just a different quality. So I just want to share that quote because I loved it. Ah, and finally, step five, create your happily even after. And this looks like reinventing your life setting up vital structures that will allow everyone to thrive through the transition, completing old agreements and generating new ones with former partners, finding supportive and nourishing community, and considering a conscious uncoupling ceremony. So this whole 
um, this whole chapter reminded me of my first really big breakup, which happened when I was 21, I believe. I had been dating someone for four years, from 17 to 21. Very similarly, I moved to Chicago for college, and I grew up in Missouri, moved to Chicago for college. He followed me to Chicago. <laughs> we lived together. We got a place together in Chicago. We lived together for um, about over a year, actually, in Chicago, though. It's a little bit different in that way. But we had very much like built a life together and like had the, we had talked about marriage. We talked about kids. I was young and didn't know who I was. And there were lots of, lots of, lots of problems with that relationship. But it was like, like it, it was like my whole life was that relationship and my whole life moving forward. My plans for my future were all built around being with this person. So when it came to the end, I was like, what do I do now? Like what all of my plans are now gone. Like, who am I? What do I do now? What? And I had this download in that moment. And at that time I didn't know what a download meant, but it was like that light bulb divine guidance that said anything like you get to decide you can do anything now. Now you have the freedom to do anything you want with your life without like this commitment bond, which is incredible. There's so much possibility. Being able to see that I had made all these agreements with that partner and now they're gone. So now what agreements do I get to make for myself and how do I fully let go of those agreements so that I can move forward? Um, so looking at how can we generate new new agreements with that ex-partner that feel good and in residence. So this means like, how are we going to communicate moving forward? How can we maintain friendship if that's on the table, uh, et cetera? And then how can I shift my perspective of my life to be in its highest timeline, to let go of the agreements that we made together um, for our future and choose new ones for myself? Um, next thing I wanted to touch on here is finding supportive and nourishing community. So for me, this has met manifesting a lot of girlfriends, which has been so easeful and I'm really grateful for that, but also taking the initiative to do it myself, hosting events in Austin, going to events, putting myself in circles with people that feel, um, really in resonance with the direction that I'm going in. Interestingly and funny enough, I had coincidentally, not on purpose, consciously not on purpose. It was definitely my highest self working its little magic in this place, but I had signed up for ISTA. Literally the week that we broke up, I was going to ISTA, which is the International School of Tribal Arts, and they have a sexual shamanic experience training, and it's deep community, deep tribe experience, and it was the perfect way for me to move through this uh, separation while having a lot of support and getting a lot of great new tools, uh, which I believe I'll be having an episode going into some of my ISTA experience. Um, so stay tuned. I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do, do an episode because it feels like such a sacred container that I was in. So I won't be able to share like all the details, but I am feeling called to share some of the details. So uh, we'll see. Um, but regardless, want to continue on with these, these notes here. So, um, another thing was considering a conscious uncoupling ceremony. So for some people, this means having, you know, your friends over for dinner and maybe burning some of the, 
um, items or love letters or photos or whatever. Um, it's not really my vibe. Like I really, I don't want to like have all the pictures of us hanging up or like wear all the jewelry that he gave me every day, or at least, you know, like I probably won't wear any of the jewelry or clothes that he gave me at all for, for the time being, but maybe in a few months. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily want to have that stuff all on hand and be, have constant reminders. I'll put it away. But I also love to feel connected to this person as a big part of what makes me me in this moment. Like he was such a big activator. He was such a big initiation into the person I am now. So I don't personally feel in resonance with burning or throwing away the items that remind me of the relationship. But it might feel in resonance for you, especially if it's someone that was really, really toxic. And I've definitely done that in the past. Um but my conscious uncoupling ceremony really looks like doing a cord cutting ceremony um, or meditation. And I actually have a beautiful episode in this podcast is episode 37. It's a cord cutting ritual, guided cord cutting ritual meditation. So if you're interested in doing that, highly recommend it. And at this point, I also want to acknowledge that a lot of people go through this conscious uncoupling uh, process and they recognize like, fuck, like, actually, I want to keep working on this relationship. Like, I see all the value in this and I kind of have greater clarity now that I've, you know, again, taken responsibility, which was a big part of step two. Now that I've taken responsibility and seen the errors and how I was showing up in this and I'm able to recognize my patterns, I'd like to give this another try. And that's very common. And even if you do that, I still recommend having a court cutting ceremony or some sort of uncoupling ceremony to um, energetically set the intention of letting go of the patterns of that past relationship to set new ones moving forward. So episode 37, cord cutting. <laughs> uh, and this book also goes into, and in chapter five goes into a little bit more of dividing the hearth and the home, which was a big part of our relationship. As I had said, like, how are we going to tackle this lease? How are we going to tackle the car, the furniture, the shared vision, the investments that we've made together? Um, and that was really helpful to have some tools on that. And then finally, kids and divorce are also acknowledged in this book. And that's not something that I personally uh, had to, you know, tackle, except for the fact that we have a spirit child and... This is something that you may or may not relate to, but um, this is another moment where I might get a little bit emotional, but I've had a little boy visit us and I had several intuitives and psychics say that I was going to have a child with this person. It was going to be a baby boy. Several. <laughs> um. And so it's been a big process of letting that go and being able to realize, hey, maybe that's coming in a different lifetime together, or maybe that's going to come through in a different way, the energy of this child. Potentially, there's the opportunity of us coming back together and that coming to fruition, obviously not holding on to any expectations or desires in that way, but seeing that like, I trust that the universe will have this energy come through in the timeline, in the lifetime that makes sense. So 
Ugh, letting all that go. And I just want to touch in on the fact that if you're going through a experience like this, I would love to be of service to you. I obviously recommend this book. It's super affordable, but if you're looking for a more tailored one-on-one experience and going through conscious, conscious uncoupling, I, I personally believe that this experience was um, bestowed upon me as an opportunity for me to share the medicine of a tantric perspective of, of uncoupling with the world, um, to allow me to be of service to my listeners, to my community in guiding them through this experience. Um, as with, you know, all of the rest of my author, uh, offers that I have out there, which you can find on www.talktantra2me.com, all of these offers that I have for you are very much in resonance with me turning my pain into purpose. Um, and I would love to offer this as a experience for you if you're looking for that. Uh, one-to-one program that's directly tailored to your needs, to your container. If you're looking for a neutral third party, whether you're, you're wanting to do this experience as a couple or even just one-on-one, because you can do the conscious uncoupling on your own. And I've actually done the conscious uncoupling on my own unconsciously. Like I didn't know I was going through this process, but in past partnerships, I did essentially these steps on my own without my partner. Um, who it just essentially wasn't a separation that, uh, he was, he wasn't available for that kind of deep inner work. Um, so if you're interested in working together in that way or really in any other way, definitely head to my website, www.talktantratome.com. Go to the work with me tab and you can see all of the things and um, specifically the one-to-one mentorship program would be ideal for this sort of container. Normally my containers are a three to six month commitment, but with this particular uh, experience, if you're looking for conscious uncoupling, I would be willing to go into a shorter commitment of um, six to eight weeks and we can have a free discovery call to chat about what that might look like for you. Uh, and you just have to fill out a form and we'll send you my schedule and we'll get that on the books. So closing out here, I want to express my gratitude to you, the listener. Thank you once more for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. And if this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective. And your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day. And I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra to Me. Ta-ta!